Welcome to No Apology with the Bible Idiots. It is Wednesday, and that means it is time for our long-form teaching. Today, Pastor Chris is going to take us to the book of Romans, chapter 6. And the title of the message is Snapshots from the Pool. No, this is not about his summer vacation. He's going to be looking into baptism, and I know it's going to bless you. So, Romans chapter 6, here's Chris Danielson with Snapshots from the Pool. One of the things we've been talking about is being elite for Christ. And when we went through that series, it turned out to be three sermon series. One was passion to be elite. One was purpose to uh, be elite. And the other was pushing to be elite. And what I realized through that message series was, I'm not elite. And I don't even know what it looks like to be elite. But I know Jesus is elite. And I live in Him. And that's where we have been putting our focus. And so as we Look around our environment, from our personal prayer closet, to our home, to our church, our job, our community, our state, and our country, and our world, we see that the days are in fact darkening. In fact, if you, if you don't see that the days are darkening over the last five or six years, I can only say you haven't been paying attention. Or maybe we just need to, you know, review some of the situations that are happening. In 1948, Israel became a nation again, and that started a domino effect of what many people call end times prophecy. And in that world, you will see that the times will become darker and darker and darker. In fact, the scripture says that Satan will overcome the saints. He will wear them out. And in that world... We have one thing that we must strive for, those of us who have known Jesus Christ, who have been redeemed of our sins, who now want to stand firm. We want to reflect Jesus' light in our lives because we're called to that, even though we may not know what it even looks like to be an elite servant of Christ. We know we're supposed to push for it because we have the passion for it and because it's our purpose in our life. We have one thing that we must strive for, and that is unity. We, as covenant partners, as believers in Jesus Christ, must be unified. Well, how do you be unified? How are you unified in a world of darkness where your truth doesn't have to be my truth and my truth doesn't have to be your truth? Because we have the truth. This is it. This is our authority for our life here on earth. And in unity, we will grow stronger. And we have an opportunity because today we still draw breath, and until that changes, regardless of long, how long we have, we are growing stronger and we're reaching out. And I'm going to tell you, intentionality matters, and it matters right now because the days are getting short and the times are dark. So what do you mean, Chris, by intentionality? I mean prayer walks. I mean the block party in September. I mean movie nights. I mean podcasts, the TV show. Uh, next April 30th and May 1st, we're going to have a special community-wide cowboy event that we're going to get to be a part of. I'm talking about praying for uh, youth camp. I'm talking about this Wednesday night story time. Our resident poet, Quentin's going to share a little bit. Right now on the sheet out there, there's only three names on it. And I know 40 or 50 you are going to show up. Be intentional. Sign up. On the 21st, we're going to show you what God's doing through a TV show. It's, it's an amazing miracle of God for us to be able to reach out like that. 
But at the end of the day, what matters when you read your covenant partnership certificate, and those of you who are regular attenders who know Jesus, who are thinking about becoming covenant partners, and those of you who may choose to get baptized at the end of this message, what matters is that we are unified under the Lord Jesus Christ. And to do that, I feel like it's time for us to get back to the basics over the next couple weeks. On August 1st, Sunday, one day only, we're not having a 9 o'clock or an 11 o'clock service. We're having a 10 o'clock service. And it's going to be a celebration of the brand new Lifehouse coming out of COVID, coming out of the changes that have happened in Abilene. We are not the same as what we were two years ago or even a year ago when I got here. We're different. We're stronger. God's moving in us. And we're going to have a celebration at 10 o'clock. It's going to be a beautiful service. And I got a feeling those drums are going to be played that day by somebody, some way. If I'm playing them, you know, stuff went horribly wrong. Because <laughs> somebody's playing them. <laughs> And then we're going to have a huge potluck. We're going to have just, I mean, one thing that we do here in Abilene is we bring the food. I learned that. But we're going to get back to the basics between now and then over the next couple Sundays. Why? Because when we get back to the basics, then we can understand that day by day, the enemy is trying to take you off your game. Hour by hour, the enemy is trying to move you to the side so he can have his dark agenda take over in your nation, in your state, in your city, in your church, in your home, and even in your prayer closet. This week, I was praying in my special spot, and I, like four times in five minutes, I was distracted by my own stupidity trying to pray for you, covenant partners. Thank goodness your life isn't based on the prayers of your pastor because you'd all been in a world of hurt this week. No, I start praying and I have the best intentions and all of a sudden I'm just thinking of stupid stuff. You know? I mean, like literally stupid stuff. Like why does a dog do a certain thing? If I added too much garlic, would it ruin this dish? I mean, just dumb stuff. You know? Well, the Vikings used the 3-4 defense. Where does that come from? You know, I mean, it's just... So you get back to the basics. And when you get back to the basics, one of the things you want to look at is you want to look at what is our faith about and why do we have the kind of faith that we have? And so we're going to go to Romans chapter 6 today. And I want to talk to you about going to the pool, going to baptism, what baptism is and what it's not. And this might be a review for some of you, but on the other hand, it may be an encouragement because I want you to take the message and the basicness of baptism and I want you to apply it in your life across everything. The prayer walks, the, the, the church services, the, the block party coming up in September, even the next time you come to church. So let's go to Romans chapter six. We're gonna read the first seven verses. Let's stand for the reading of God's word today. It says, what should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him, in likeness of his death, we will certainly also 
be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless, so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. Verse 7, since a person who has died is freed from sin. Heavenly Father, let these be your words. Strengthen your children now in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated, please. These verses are primarily about the day you and I were saved. Now, if you're not saved, a lot of this might go over your head, but do, if the Spirit moves in your heart, come see me. We can talk about that too. This is for the saved. This is for the church. This message is for God's children. Most of you here today are God's children. Most of you have made that profession when you became covenant partners or regular attenders as I've gotten to know you. Some of you I've I, I, I don't know. We have a couple people I met for the first time this morning. But when you were saved on that day, we experienced, those of us who, who've gotten saved, we experienced what's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, the baptism of the Spirit, listen to me now, the baptism of the Spirit has nothing to do with shouting, speaking in tongues, or any other of the myths or some of the false doctrines that are attached to it that we get all around our world. And yeah, you heard me right. They're false doctrines based on a little bit of truth here, a little bit of truth there, but it's not based on the whole counsel of God. See, the baptism of the Holy Spirit refers to the moment that you and I were placed in Jesus. Okay? When God saved you by his grace, he baptizes you. He immerses you into the body of Christ. That's who we are. We're the body of Christ. And that is the core foundational thing about being a covenant partner at Lifehouse Church. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says this. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greek, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. What's that? You know, Jew and Greek, slave and free, what does that mean? That means it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. Doesn't matter your background, your educational, your financial status, you know, whether you've been to prison or not, whether you've been uh, a drug addict or not, whether you've been a goody two shoes your whole life, it doesn't matter. Fill in the blank for yourself. And let me tell you, it's no different than me. It's no different than her. It's no different than him. We're all one body in Christ because we were all sinners. And Romans tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he knew we were sinful. He takes us, he baptizes us, he immerses us into his body. It doesn't matter where we've been in the past. Now we're saved. Now you can't see or feel that baptism, but it occurs nonetheless. Some people actually have these great emotional experiences when they're saved. Other people have no emotional experience when they're saved. But that transfer of trust happens and they say, not this life, but the next life. I'm putting everything in with Jesus because he died for me. I'm going all in with him. I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. I need salvation to stand before a holy God. Lord, save me. And there is a spiritual truth that happens. It's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, the water baptism that many of you have gone through And some of you are going to go through next Sunday, or I'm sorry, two Sundays from now, the 25th, is a physical symbol of a spiritual reality. It is an outward expression of an inward work of God. 
Baptism saves no one. This is why it was so hard to find a flicker of faith that I felt would really be appropriate. Because on one hand, I don't really want to joke around, and on the other hand, I don't want to have somebody get the false impression based on a little video clip. Because everyone who is saved should be baptized. It is a statement of faith. It tells the world you've received Jesus as your Savior. You are publicly acknowledging the spiritual work of God in your heart when you followed him with a believer's baptism. But it saves no one. Now, I've had the privilege of seeing a handful of folks get saved recently. Praise the Lord, he's still saving souls. Some of these folks are going to follow the Lord's obedience to his command that those who trust him be baptized. And I'm excited about that. Matthew 28, 19. If you want to know a mission statement for the church, it's right there, Matthew 28, 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That means you've made disciples. How did you make disciples? Did you close the sale? No. Were you just convincing in your talk? (laughs) No. The Holy Spirit convicted people based on the good news that was brought by the happy feet of those who were able to proclaim it. And the Holy Spirit saved people, and then you're making disciples, you're showing them how to grow in the Lord. You're feeding them, you're, you're, you're nurturing them, you're being with them, you're, you're in covenant partnership with them. And then what? You baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Why? Because that helps with salvation? No! Salvation's already happened. You're making disciples. Now it's out of good old-fashioned gratitude, following the example of the Lord Jesus Christ, who was baptized by John the Baptist at the beginning of his earthly ministry in Matthew chapter 3. So before we take these people up to the swimming pool on July 25th, we're going to take a moment today and think about what we are doing. And I want you to see from these verses that it is a symbol of the believer's baptism. It's so important. It's so awesome. It's so great but I want you to know exactly what it is so there's no confusion. So let's take a few minutes and take our camera and get some snapshots in the pool. Let's start with point number one of our three-point message today. There is a snapshot of dedication. There is a snapshot of dedication. Verses four and five, it says, Therefore we were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. What's what's going on there? Unity. Unity's happening there. The phrases buried with him and planted together speak of identification. When a child of God is baptized in the water, he or she is identifying themselves with Jesus and with his death and resurrection. Again, if you take one thing away from this message, it's this. Listen to me. Baptism cannot save. It has never saved a soul, and it never will. Regardless of what some groups teach, no one is saved by being baptized. It is the work of the flesh, and it does not save. Do you have a scripture to back that up? Well, a matter of fact, I do. 
Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourself, it is a gift of God. Verse 9, not from works so that no one can boast. Baptism is an outward symbol of an inward work of God. It is a public testimony of your faith in Christ. It's also a public testimony of being unified under the body of Christ. Those who are following Jesus Christ in baptism, this is what they're saying. I have trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I've received him, and I'm not ashamed to identify myself with him in all areas. By the way, that is why the BIC and Lifehouse Church require baptism to become a covenant partner. It's part of the deal. Let's go to point number two. There is a snapshot of death in the pool. There's a snapshot of death. Verse 3, it says, Or are you unaware that all of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? When we were saved, we were placed in Jesus. This is a total identification. All other identification washes away. It's gone. I always think back to some of my hard years when I was like 15 to 18. If you would have known me then, chances are you wouldn't like me today. I'm just not who I was then. Is anybody else, and, and don't, you can raise your hand if you feel comfortable, but you don't have to. Is anybody else, when they look back at their sinful self before they were saved, are you kind of sad? We've got some honest people. <laughs> That's Lifehouse. <laughs> Yeah, we're the church that says, yeah, we're worse than all you, but our God is greater. <laughs> See, it's our total identification now. It's everything. When we were placed in him, his death became our death. This is a deep spiritual truth, and every child of God has already experienced death. Not physical death, but spiritual. When Jesus was judged on Calvary, those of us were judged with him also. When he died on the cross, we who believe in him, we died there also, Galatians 2.20. Believer's baptism is a picture of a believer's own death. Verse 4 says, therefore we're buried with him by baptism into death. That, that water is a picture of the grave. When, when the believer is baptized in water, it is a picture of their death to this life, to sin. This is what the baptism says. I have trusted Jesus and just as he died for sin, I am willing to die for sin. Verse 7 says, since a person who has died is freed from sin. And I believe that there is a transformation that happens. That we will never be completely free from sin in, in the flesh, but there is a desire to be free from the grip of temptation, the grip of sin. When salvation comes with the desire to die to sin and to self, we get that by the help of God. Go to Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Remember the DPC, pushing for elite. Doesn't mean we get there, but there's something going on. And those of you who know Jesus know exactly what I'm talking about. None of us will ever conquer the flesh completely as long as we live in this world, which is why we have grace and forgiveness for one another, which is why we must have unity. We cannot let the enemy come in under any circumstances. 1 John 1, 8 through 10 says this. 
If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Go on this week to Romans chapter 7. It's a big smackdown of what I'm talking about here. It just shows you that we still have a flesh nature that must be conquered through, uh, through prayer, through perseverance. When a person receives Jesus Christ as their Savior, there will be a desire to be holy and to glorify God. No one comes to him and remains the same. That's why you see some people that I call false converts. They say a sinner's prayer, but nothing else happens. And you ask, why did they say the sinner's prayer? What were they running from? What were they running to? Did they understand that they actually were lost, damned to hell, stuck in their sins, and Jesus Christ freed them from that and paid their complete penalty? Why do I say that? 2 Corinthians 5.17. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, baptized into Christ, brought into Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. If there's no change of life at all, ask yourself, why did I say a sinner's prayer? Why am I trying to be uh, saved for Jesus? Is it because I'm just trying to, you know, turn over a new leaf? Is it because I, I found myself in a bad situation, so I want to get out of it? Or is it because it's an eternity thing where now you're placed in Christ? See, the deliverance some people seek, they seek it for their own selfishness and for worldly pleasures or for worldly gain. I mean, how, how many people have come to know the Lord? In this, I'm talking to guys now. How many guys do you think have kind of come to know the Lord to try to get closer to some gal? Think about it. How many people have been in a dire straits and they just came to the Lord to get them out? I'll give you an example that many of us people here know. How many of us have ever been in a situation where we've said the prayer, God, if you get me out of this, I'll never drink again. And then what happens two weeks later? Well, I don't know if God really remembers that. <laughs> See, the authentic believer who comes to Christ as a sinner to be forgiven of their sins doesn't want that life anymore. And they want it so bad that they surrender their life to Christ, not just hey, get me out of the situation. And so that's another thing that happens at the pool. Point number three, our last point today. There is a snapshot of deliverance. There is a snapshot of deliverance. Baptism not only pictures death, it also pictures resurrection. When Jesus died, those who believe in him died also. When Jesus rose from the dead, those who believe in him rose also. When we were in him, he died on Calvary. We were there, and he came up out of the grave. And when a person believes in Jesus, they die to the old life of sin, and they're raised up into the new life of Jesus. Does that mean they don't make mistakes? Does that mean they don't annoy people? Does that mean that they don't stumble? No. They still do those things, but it's different now. You're telling me, Chris, that this person who's falsely converted and stumbles is different than this person who is fully converted and stumbles? Yep, that's what I'm saying. It's different. I don't say that. 
The Bible says it, if you actually read it and follow it. See, when a person believes on Jesus authentically, when they die to the old life of sin, they're raised up into a new life in Jesus, they're given his life. 1 John 5, 12, they're given abundant life, John 10, 10. They're given everlasting life, John 3, 16. And that everlasting life is so great, sometimes you put on a multicolored wig and stand in the end zone with a sign. Why do you think John 3, 16 is so prevalent in sports throughout the 70s and 80s and early 90s? I don't think we do it anymore. In fact, I do know because I have friends that work for ESPN and, and ABC that the camera operators are told not to get pictures of that. They were over the last 20 years. That's why you don't see it on TV anymore. Why? Because everlasting life in John 3.16. Bet most of you know that verse by heart. See, baptism pictures this regeneration, this resurrection, this new life. And when a believer is lowered into the water, it symbolizes their death and out of their old life. And then when they were raised out of the water, it symbolizes the fact that they've received new life and eternal life. It's a picture of a new birth. It's an outward display of that which Christ has already done in the heart. And it's beautiful and it's special and it's awesome. But understand what it's not. It's not a path to salvation. Like the guy and brother were out there, his sins were not washed away. The blood of Jesus washes the sins away. And out of good old-fashioned gratitude and obedience and witnessing to the people, I'm going to be baptized and when I come out of the water, I'm going to be a new creature. I'm going to be showing everybody my new creatureness. See, we enjoy that new life in him because we have this new life. We do not fear death. We do not fear Satan. We do not fear life. In fact, we have nothing to fear. 1 John 4, 18, perfect love casts out fear. So in a few days, on July 25th, some have come forward to confess Christ and have been saved and are going to be baptized. And we're not going to save them. God has already done that. We are merely going to allow them to publicly identify themselves with Jesus Christ. They are going to give their testimony of death, resurrection, and personal salvation. Pray for them. And let us remember what a believer's baptism is truly about today. And if that is you, we'd love to have you sign up. Love to have more for, more for the pool party on the 25th. I had a gal I talked to this week, and she was kind of coerced by her parents into a baptism when she was like 15 years old. And she's close to 40 now. And a couple years ago, she just wanted to be baptized again. Is that you? I'd love to be the one who's able to do that. By the way, whoever baptizes you, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who does the baptism. My baptism by immersion came in 2012 at the Jordan River because this has been such an unbelievably prickly topic. It's a way that we found over the last 2,000 years to divide ourselves, that being in the public eye on the radio, we would get call after call after call about why, you know, you, you, know, you sprinkle, you dunk, you do this, you do that. Well, Chris, what are you, when are you going to do your baptism by immersion? Because I was sprinkled as a baby. I said, finally, I just, in exasperation around 2007, 2008, I said, look, if God ever allows me to go to Israel, I will get baptized in the Jordan River like my Savior. Otherwise, please get off my back about it. 
And so we get to Israel. And the person who did my baptism is the head of the Seventh-day Adventist TV network. <laughs> his name's Jim Gilly. Good guy. I mean, you know, we toured around with him, with him and his group for a couple days. And uh, um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And, and I've told you that, you know, baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and lift it up in the BIC. What we do is what's called trine baptism. Baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That came about in like 300 AD from, I can't remember the guy's name, but it was because the, the Trinity was under attack. See, Satan will always try to attack us in any way he possibly can, including the authentic awesomeness of the testimony of the baptism of Jesus Christ as we're testifying that we're going down into his death and we're coming out with his resurrection. I know, says Satan, let's find a way to use that and divide as many people as we can. There are some people that need to be saved. You need to come to Jesus, and we want to help you. And there's others that you've been saved, and maybe the ritual of baptism has passed you by. I want you to join us. Maybe others have never, never testified to the Redeemer that way. I want you to come. If he's been calling you in this way, I want you to join us for our baptism service Sunday night, the 25th, and I want you to sign up. You can talk to me, you can talk to Megan, you can talk to just about any covenant partner, they'll get you to me. And so maybe you need to join us in the pool in two weeks. But most of all, I want you to join with me. And I want you to pray for these dark times. And we have a great opportunity this week. You were given the testimony of the camp, the Bible camp that, that some of our folks are going to. And they stood up here and they said, we need prayer for this, we need prayer for that. And then Shell said, look, pray that when they come home, the mountaintop experience lasts a little bit longer, that it doesn't just be a crash. And so I want you to join us as part of the life of Pi. I want you to join us in our story time service on Wednesday night. But most of all, I want you to consider joining us as covenant partners. And if you are a covenant partner and you've not been baptized, that you would join us for that baptism service. If you don't know Jesus, the times are short. Now's the time to commit your life to him with everything that you've got. And he'll even give you more. He'll give you more and more and more. And then you'll ask God, Lord, I want to push to be elite. And then he'll take the next three weeks and show you how unelite you really are. But then you can recover from that, just like I'm trying to recover from it. By the way, don't ever pray for patience. Because <laughs> he'll give you ways to be patient. And uh, it's the same thing that I'm going through with, with uh, baptism and, and all of these things. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you and thank you and praise you. Lord, I ask that you would just have that Holy Spirit reach down and convict, convict any of the brothers and sisters here that need to come to you authentically and be saved. And then, Lord, let us honor you appropriately with our baptism service in the pool in two weeks. 
Lord, strengthen this church. Help us be light in a dark time. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to our Sunday message. To donate, request prayer, or to contact Pastor Chris, you can write to Lifehouse Church at P.O. Box 661, Abilene, Kansas, 67410, or go online at lifehouse-church.com. On behalf of the entire congregation, thanks again for your support.